The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. That's right, you heard it. College Basketball Dream Preview Edition number seven already. As always, I'm Brad Powers, A.J. Hoffman down there in Houston, Sleepy J at the controls. We got a big week of college hoops, maybe a dynasty coming to an end in the Big 12 for Kansas. Obviously, we'll talk a little Zion Williamson and Duke, a couple of big ACC games this week, and a big one in the Big East on Wednesday that one of the guys has a best bet on. But as always here on the Dream Preview, before we talk upcoming games, we first have to review what happened during last week's podcast. Hi, I'm Brad Powers, and unfortunately, I did not have a good weekend. Not only did I drop my best bet on Wichita State, but I also like the Michigan Wolverines as we're taping this on Sunday evening. And Michigan, big home game against a depleted Michigan State team, comes up short in the second half. I am still, though, on my best bets on these podcasts. We've had six of them, still four and two. That's not too shabby. AJ, how'd you do this past podcast? Uh, I, too... I lost my best bet. I actually did pretty well on my podcast picks overall, but as you know, that's not what matters, Brad. I lost that best bet with Villanova, who decided to take a nap in the second half. And, uh, yeah, so I, my best bets fall to a paltry 3-3 three and three on the season. Hey, don't leave me out of this, guys. I had FSU. No good. North Carolina ran them over. Not a good week. Again, not a good so, one for the podcast, but still up. We're still up a little bit on the season looking to rebound this week. Yeah, this is easily the worst week we've had so far. What are the odds we're going to have that again? <laughs> hey, I've been in this business long enough to know that uh, you're going to have losing <laughs> picks, losing days, losing weeks, and God forbid, uh, I've even had a losing season before. All right, let's move forward with this week's games. Showtime! Woo! And leading it off on Monday night, Big 12 action, Rivalry in the Sunflower State, number 23, Kansas State at number 12, Kansas. Number 12 at the time we're taping this podcast on Sunday evening. Uh, The Jayhawks won't be number 12 when the AP poll comes out on Monday afternoon. But right now, we actually have a line on this one. The overnight uh, on this one only has Kansas right around a three and a half point home favorite. We have a double like to start off. The show, I'll let AJ lead it off. Who do you like in this one? Yeah, we actually liked this at four and a half, which was our projected line on the uh, the Kansas State-Kansas game. But I'm, I'm liking Kansas. Kansas, obviously, I was against them with Texas Tech, and it paid off. They were not competitive in that game. But they're just a different team at home. They're 14-0 straight up at home this season. In the Bill Self era, Kansas 61% against the spread after a loss. And I, I'm still... A little bit nervous the the status of LeGerald Vic. They they keep acting like he could be back any day, but I, I you can't count on him obviously at this point. He wasn't much of a factor the first game against Kansas State anyway. He only had seven points in nineteen minutes. Uh, the Jayhawks did get Marcus Garrett back against Texas Tech. Uh, he gave them nine points in twenty two minutes, so they're getting a little little bit of that depth back, which is important for them. In the first game, Kansas State was ten of twenty four from three, which is good for forty two percent. 
Uh, on the season, they are 220th in the country at 33.4%. So I assume that they'll come back to the field a little bit. Jayhawks haven't lost to Kansas State twice in one season since 1989. Wow. I was nine, I was nine years old when that happened. I, I don't think Kansas is winning the Big 12 this year, but I don't think they're going to let their little brother eliminate them from contention on their home court. So I like Kansas minus three and a half here. Yeah, and speaking of Big 12, obviously Kansas, 14 straight Big 12 titles. Two games back right now in the Big 12 race for the Jayhawks. Four games left, although they can make up a full game with this one alone. So uh, and this would get them at least right back in the mix. Still a little bit behind, but uh, I certainly wouldn't be out of it. A loss here by Kansas, and it's Katie Barr, the door. Good night, Irene. <laughs> three games back with three games to go. They'd pretty much be eliminated at that point. So an ultra-important game for Kansas. I think we're buying Kansas a little low. Why? Well, they just lost by 30 points on the road, the road being the key factor there. A.J. mentioned it. Kansas, I mean, their home away dichotomy is some of the biggest disparate disparities that, that, that we've seen so far in, in all of college basketball. Kansas on the road, zero covers their last nine road trips. At home, perfect at home, 14-0 and straight up at home. And if you need a bigger sample size in 14 games, you know, I get it. This Kansas team isn't as good as past editions, but you got to respect a team that in the last 12 years at home, since February of 2007, they win 94.4% of their games at home straight up. Against the spread, the great equalizer, Vegas, 56%. And if you guys don't think 56% is good, keep in mind, you can make a living as a professional in this industry if you're hitting 55%. And again, a 200-plus game sample size for Kansas at home, probably already paying premium on the Jayhawks. They've been even better than that. They've overcame that premium, hitting 56% against the number last 12 years at home. Uh, you know, looking at it, you know, Kansas State, obviously, has been a team that, that I've been on more often than not. Of course, the only game Kansas State has lost straight up and against the spread in their last 11 Big 12 games was one of my best bet losers on this podcast when I took him against Iowa State, of course, a couple weeks ago. But, uh, you know, I just think it's a home run spot for Kansas. It's a very proud program. The, the, this, you know, sharing regular season Big 12 titles is ultra important to them. And like AJ closed it up, I just don't see them letting their rival come in there and ending all hopes. I, too, Brad Powers, like Kansas minus three and a half. Any closing? Uh, you got any thoughts, Sleepy? You know what? I'm not going to let you guys go down without a fight without me in, uh, involved here. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make Kansas my best bet. Screw it. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do it. I really like the Jayhawks coming off of a loss here. Blowout loss. Now they have revenge. And I think another important key here that nobody mentioned, Kansas State, Cartier Diara, he's out. He's their best bench player. Surgery is going to be required. I, I expect him to miss the entire season. It's going to be his fifth game in a row. Now, he played last time these two teams met. He's clearly their best bench guy. I think he's going to be missed here for Kansas State. Kansas at home, like you said, Brad, they're just too tough. I think there's a really, really good spot for Kansas. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make it my best bet. I wasn't going to have one. You guys topped this off for me. Add a lot of good things. I'm going to go ahead. Kansas, my best bet. Yeah, leading off the show strong. I'm uh, a winner, not a loser. <laughs> I love it. AJ, any additional thoughts here? Uh, and, you know, Kansas... 
you know, moving forward, what do we see from this team? You know, look, I thought they just walked into a hornet's nest against Texas Tech. I mean, the Red Raiders aren't known for offense, and Texas Tech lit them up for like 16 threes. So I, I think we're actually catching a point or so of value off of that final score alone yep. uh, in that one. What, what's your thoughts on maybe Kansas moving forward? I, I don't see the team quitting uh, on Bill Self. Now, if they get blown out in this one, and I hope that's not the case, then I'll question if they they can, they don't have that carrot at the end of the stick, a la the Big Twelve title, and they're coming off back to back blowouts. Then I might be concerned about Kansas, but I think this is the perfect opponent for them to get you know as far as it wanting to rebound. Yeah, I think so too. And they're they're four and two against the spread after a loss, uh, and it, it just seems like the spot to to get right. And and I don't I'm, you know I don't think this is a a Final Four team, or maybe even a Sweet 16 team. I, I I don't know how good they are, but I don't think that anybody in the Big 12 is somehow ridiculously great and just going to run away with this thing. I, I, so I, I think that all these teams, there's a lot of parity in that conference, and I think Kansas is, is as talented as most of those teams, and they, they also just have this massive home court advantage that it's just so, it's so hard to look away from because you see them on the road, and I mean – there's been games where you're like, oh, I mean, this is this this is not a a pretty situation here, but it, when they're at home, it's just they're a different beast. I mean, they 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 lost to West Virginia on the road. They you know they've <laughs> got a loss to to Arizona State on the road, and they lost to Texas on the road. But at home, teams aren't even really playing with them. I, I mean, I, I think that since it's maybe since January flipped, they they may have not covered one game at home. They just, they're a different team there, different atmosphere. And I, like I said, if, if there was any other team trying to beat them on their home court to stop that 14 year streak, maybe, but I just can't picture Kansas, those kids letting Kansas state do that to them. Yeah. And, you know, looking at, at Kansas historically, cause there's a lot of history here not, not only the big 12 titles, but I mean, you mentioned it, at least in this series. And I thought, look, in, in the first matchup, I really liked Kansas State. I think that was one of my best bets was on Kansas State against Kansas. And actually, that was one performance by Kansas that I actually came away impressed with, only losing by seven in what I perceived at that time to be a pretty much of a home run spot for Kansas State. The only worry that I'd have is, you know, recent home wins, and that's when they've really, really kind of been shorthanded here. I mean, I've come against the likes of Oklahoma State, uh, you know, West Virginia, not necessarily, you know, the, the best of the best. Now, they did blow out Texas Tech, but uh, that was in my, I, I'm thinking if memory serves correct, uh, that, that was before LeGerald Vick was out. So that would be my, you know, concern here. But uh, I just think it's a home run spot. And let's put it in perspective, three and a half means basically these are even teams or Kansas State's a little bit slightly better. I'm not sure that's the case. I mean, Kansas is the better offense. Kansas has played the nation's toughest schedule so far. So I think we're the the point. I think we get a point of value from the 30 point defeat that Kansas just had. I think you know the home court here is going to be more than three and a half, four points. This is going to be a big time spot, at least early on in Allen Fieldhouse there. And I just think, you know, both teams are going to be motivated, but I think Kansas is extra motivated here. I think that's where the value's at. Any closing thoughts? I agree. Now, yeah, and another thing to think about is that uh, he mentioned uh, Cartier Diara being out, and he was he's their their sixth man. And Kansas is not a – that's not a long – or Kansas State, that's not a long bench to begin with. It's basically Diara and, and Stockard. 
and without the R, they're going to be they're going to be tested from a depth standpoint. Yeah, and since he's been out, I think he got hurt. Uh, Baylor game maybe. Uh, so they've been without him. The Texas game that was a good solid win, but then they lost against Iowa State, and then again. Kansas State just got done playing West Virginia and Oklahoma State. Clearly, easily, the two worst teams in the conference. So, I, in one hand, Kansas being undervalued after getting blown out. And I think Kansas State might even be borderline a little bit overvalued in the marketplace after a couple of blowout wins against the two worst teams. Again, double like on A.J. Hoffman and Brad Powers on Kansas. Sleepy Jay coming over the top and says, you can take your double like and shove it. I'm going best bet, Kansas, minus the three and a half. And again, that's not a line projection. That's your overnight line that we're looking at right now here on Sunday evening. Kansas, a three and a half point home favorite. Moving along, another big 12 game on Monday. Not a pair of ranked teams like the first matchup, but we have an Oklahoma team. The game's just as important. An Oklahoma team that's still on the bubble even after a win over Texas at number 19, Iowa State. I thought the line would come right around eight. The early line has it. The overnight line has Iowa State nine. I'll let A.J. Hoffman uh, go with this one. Who do you like or lean in here? Uh, I'm leaning Oklahoma plus nine. And at this point, I don't know what to think about Iowa State. I mean, I remember when we started this podcast, we were talking about Iowa State maybe being the best team in the Big 12. And, I, I mean, there's no way you can call them that now. They've lost three out of the last four. Uh, they're 0-3 as a favorite. And in, in their one win, was it, it was a 14-point win as an underdog uh, at Big 12 leading Kansas State. So it, are, are you losing to bad teams? Are you beating Kansas State? What is this team? It, it's just impossible to get a read on them right now. Oklahoma's been pretty solid against the spread, 17-7-3, 6-1-3 ATS away from home, and 4-0-2 as a road dog. So they're, they're, playing, they're playing well uh, on the road, and they've played the third toughest defensive schedule in the country. Iowa State had covered eight straight in the series, but Oklahoma's covered the last two. Nine points just seems like a lot. And we, we talked to, when we were talking about Texas and Oklahoma, and, and when we were on this podcast, we didn't know that Texas was going to be without their best player. Depending on what your number was with the Texas-Oklahoma line, I mean, I, you could have been a winner or a loser because that, that line moved so much. But uh, but Oklahoma, they're, they're still desperate. They, they're still on the bubble. They're still fighting and nine points just seems like a lot in that situation. And again, you're leaning Oklahoma there, plus the nine? Leaning Oklahoma, plus the nine. Yeah, I'm on the opposite side, although I hear you, and I only have a lean here, nothing strong. Iowa State, minus nine. Again, I thought the number would be closer to eight, so I'm a little less strong on it as I was. Here's where I think the the perceived value is, at least from what I'm seeing, is Oklahoma, their last three games, and benefited against teams that were banged up. First started with Baylor. They were without King McClure. And even Makai Mason wasn't 100% healthy, but it didn't have a lot of minutes in that one. And then next up for Oklahoma, they played TCU uh, without their their big guy, that Quat Noy. He's from uh, Africa. He's a big forward for him. And then we just mentioned that uh, AJ did, you know, a Texas team without their best player, Kerwin Roach. And, man, that, that seemed like a good spot then for Oklahoma and they were up early looking good, leading by double digits. And lo and behold, they have to hang on for dear life and only win by two against a shorthanded Longhorns team. So I think that's where the perceived value is. Here's why it's not a like. 
is what AJ said. I can't trust Iowa State. I mean, they're one in five last six games. That one cover was against one of my best bets. And what now hindsight being 2020 was probably a really good spot for Iowa State. Other than that, I mean, this is a team that's lost a, you know, a couple of their home games here. They've been laying a similar number to this, nine, 10 points, and they've lost the games outright to teams like, uh, you know, TCU was an outright loser that, that Iowa State had a few weeks back. So I, I'm not sure, you know, it's a preferred spot to lay nine, but Oklahoma off a close game, traveling on short rest. And after playing three banged up teams, I'm just leaning Iowa State. Uh, I'm opposite uh, AJ, who's leaning Oklahoma. Any closing thoughts? No, is it sleepy. You going to break the tie? No, he's not sleepy. Nope, I'm off this All right. one. Yeah, nope. and, and guys, that, then. L- listening, obviously two games on Monday. We just gave you a double like and a best bet on the Kansas side. That's going to put a lot of pressure on us, guys. I, I thought we might want to take after the weekend. We might want to give ourselves a, a, you know, a little bit of rest, but uh, no, no rest for the weary here. Uh, we're, we're firing strong on Monday, uh, but as far as the Oklahoma-Iowa State game goes, just a lean on opposite sides. So Whoever you want to trust on that one, go lightly. Both uh, just leans there on Iowa State for me, minus nine. A.J. Hoffman, Oklahoma, plus nine. We are coming out on the show hot and heavy. We already got one best bet. Here's A.J. Hoffman's best bet, a Tuesday game. It can't be done by you, ten guys like you, or a hundred people like you. Nobody can defeat this man. Nobody even can come close to defeating this man. I know it, you know it, everybody knows it. The odds-on favorite in Las Vegas. That's what you paid me for. Now, what do you think? Should we also play Blossom just in case? We can also play B- Blossom. Let's play, you, let's play Blossom, too. Just Let's, pl- let's <laughs> be on the safe side Even here. after a loss, I like it. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Yeah, I just assume the best thing to do is to uh, to not give people you know reason to think that if I would have done this, it would have worked. If I, you know, so we'll, <laughs> it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, use both. My best bet went off of our board. We we send each other the, the the plays of the week, the the games of the week, really that we go over the biggest national games. This one didn't make the list, but I love this team right now, and I, I love this team especially at home. Uh, VCU, uh, who's giving 12 points to St. Louis at home, they flipped a switch. Since that loss to Rhode Island, they have just been dominant. Their last four home games, they've won by an average of 25 points per game. They're 65% against the spread as a home favorite since last year. I was on them big this week against George Washington, and they led by three points at half. Mike Rhodes was pissed. And, And even late, when they were up 20, he was chewing out his backup point guard for a, a late turnover. He wants to just smash teams, and, and I love it. And that's how they've gotten to a 13-5-1 ATS mark as a favorite. St. Louis, 1-4 straight up and against the spread in their last five on the road, including an 11-point loss at Rhode Island, who VCU just beat by 34, and a 30-point loss at St. Joe's. VCU sitting on a one-game lead in the A-10, they're, and they're actually hoping to lock up an at-large bid. They're fully motivated. Mike Rhodes wants to he wants to put his foot down on throats. This is another crazy number. St. Louis, 330th in three-point percentage in the country. VCU, ninth in the country at defending two-point field goals. 
So what's what's St. Louis going to do? Are they going to go out there and chuck up bad shots that they can't make, they haven't made all season? Are they going to try to go inside with VCU where VCU just dominates? They've never won at VCU. St. Louis has never won at VCU in five appearances. The average margin in those games, 17 points per game. I, I think VCU dominates from start to finish. VCU minus 12, my best bet. And Sleepy, you also, I mean, this is unbelievable. You guys sent individual emails, and you were also wanting to talk. One of the teams you wanted to talk about was VCU. Uh, what's your thoughts on, uh, on VCU, Sleepy? I really like this team. I, I, I got a question for you guys, maybe more than AJ, because obviously he knows this team rather well, and he's been following them. Any chance that this team has a shot to make a deep run in the tournament? Oh, I think so. Yeah, any team that plays that kind of a de- that kind of defense, they've, they've got a shot to win some games, sure. VCU's probably, I mean, if if they made the tournament now, they'd probably be at a, a 10, maybe a 9 seed. So you're, t- you're talking about them playing against a team like Iowa or Cincinnati or Washington. You, I mean, I'd take my chances w- with VCU against those teams for sure. You know, one of the things with VCU that I thought probably about, uh, maybe it was three games ago, was the fact that they were like kind of like sitting on the bubble a little bit, but they were like hiding in the weeds. Nobody was talking about them. And when I see a team like that who, you know, if they take a loss, that, that then, then they can end up on the bubble. You know, I start thinking about margin. I think margin with teams like VCU, teams like Buffalo, and obviously Buffalo, they're, they've been blowing teams out. I think VCU is thinking the same thing. Although even though they're like like on the 10 line there, I still think they're thinking margin. So uh, I agree with you 100%. I like VCU as well. That's one team that I've been playing, giving out on pregame.com been my premium play a couple weeks so uh, i'm with you with vcu all right aj hoffman coming in strong vcu going a little bit off the radar that is a tuesday night game against st louis aj hoffman best bet vcu virginia commonwealth minus 12 is the line that we are projecting on that you got a feel for them brad Mm, i mean obviously i like the defense uh which is in the top five of the country uh i don't have a strong feel i I mean obviously with 353 teams and i got to power rate all of them there's some that i'm going to have a better feel for others you know and i haven't had a game uh, in the last few weeks uh, that i i've seen a lot of value on vcu haven't been against them so it's not like you know i'm against it i just haven't been on them so and, and to be perfectly to pull a little bit pull behind the curtain I just don't get involved too many times with the team, you know, laying double digits. I just, I very, very rarely do it. It's just not in my forte. I'd rather be on the take than giving that many points. And VCU's been a significant favorite. Kudos to them. They've been covering big time spreads here. It's just not in my wheelhouse, guys, to be laying a lot of points here. But I mean, they haven't had any issues doing it, at least the last couple of games. I think that opens up a good talking point because this is the the time of year where I start to get more okay with laying a big number because teams are the motivation of teams are clear at this point. Mm-hmm. St. Louis has no motivation because they, they're not going to make a tournament. I mean, they're just, they're playing out the season. They, they're see what, whatever dreams they had for what this season would be are gone. Whereas VCU still has that one game lead in the Atlantic, uh, in the Atlantic 10, which is a pretty good conference by the way, with, you know, Davidson hanging around there. Uh, so I, I, I think that you can still, you, you can start to give a little bit more number when you think about what a team, what especially when one team has full motivation and one team has questionable motivation. Because often when you're playing favorites, they don't always have the same goal as you, which is unfortunate. When, when you play a dog, they've got the same goal in mind as you. They they want to they want to get as close as they can to winning as possible. Whereas some sometimes the the, the favorites just want to get out of there with a win. But when when they've got 
you know, they've got something to play for. It seems like, you know, you're, you're willing to, uh, to give a little bit more because they can jump out on you early. And, and this, this defense just crushes. It's, I mean, it, it, it's like a snake just squeezing throughout the game. Uh, and, and George Washington was, was close in that game. I think they were down three at halftime. And, I mean, it was maybe 15 minutes into the second half before George Washington scored 10 points in the half. I mean, they just got shut down. This this VCU team is looking to embarrass teams, and I I love it. I love playing. I love looking for teams like that that want to go out there and get margin. You know, going a little off topic, since we're talking about you know big favorites, I have some opinions on this, but I'm anxious to to get AJ's opinion on this. How do because this is going to be something that that's happening this week and next week. How do you handle you know big favorites on, on senior night? How do you handle that, AJ? Like the favorites at home on senior night? Yeah, but or, say there's or, a big home favorite on senior night. What? How do you handle that? I don't know. I don't. I I, I kind of question how important senior night is. I, I mean, I guess it's it's their last game there, but most of these teams that are big favorites, they're not worried about playing their last game. They're worried about playing in the conference tournament the next week, or they're worried about playing in the NCAA tournament. So I don't give a big boost for for uh, for those senior nights, it, it, just because I think most most of the time those teams have more to go play for after. If they're if they're a big favorite uh, at home on on their last game of the season, that means that they're probably the kind of team that's got more to play for than just that. Yeah, excellent point. I actually think a lot of times it's a negative, particularly first half, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, and we're talking smaller schools. We're not talking the, the bigger schools uh, so much here. Uh, well, the big schools don't have seniors anymore. Yeah, they don't have seniors. <laughs> uh, you know, college basketball 1992, yeah. Uh, college basketball 2019, no. Uh, but, you know, more smaller schools, it's an emotional time. Your parents are there. Uh, I would say do your diligence as far as you know diving into the local newspapers. Some coaches, uh, I mean, this is a big-name coach, but he's been known to do it. Roy Williams will start walk-ons and play them for the first couple of minutes. I think you can get some perceived value there. Uh, I like playing. Here's a little you know, pull behind the curtain. I don't like oftentimes big favorites on senior day, but I think if you're going on a derivative on those, I like playing those big dogs in the first half because it's an emotional start to the game and maybe you're getting I'm not saying it's a free four or five minutes where you know the big favorites trying to settle in to collect themselves but also that that kind of what we see and look it's 10 percent of the time but we do see often coaches you know play a guy that's not a normal starter he, he's been a bench player a role player his entire career I think you, you can find some value playing the large underdogs on the road on senior day particularly in the first half as the team, you know, the, the big home favorite settles down. It's just something that's been profitable for me long-term. Not going to blindly play it, but I definitely do pick my spots. And for those of you following me, hopefully we can touch on one here on the next couple podcasts. Again, we usually take podcasts Sunday evening and also on Thursday evenings. And I'll see if I can find one for this weekend and explain that on the next podcast. Any additional thoughts on that? Good points. I think the most important point to what you're saying, Brad, is with Teams that have something to lose are going to play those guys a lot less. So maybe you look towards a team like a St. Louis on their senior night. They don't have a whole lot to lose. Maybe they play those guys for like a full five, six minutes. Maybe they're loaded with a lot of seniors. I think it's important to check the rosters out and say, hey, this team has like eight seniors on there. Four of them aren't playing. They're probably going to get some time. And maybe if we can really dig in deep and find those type of things, uh, we could probably make a lot of money doing that. Challenge for you, Sleepy. You find me a team that has eight seniors, and I'll give you five to one odds. Five seniors? 
You eight, eight? eight seniors. I'll give you five to one odds. Eight seniors. I could you go through three hundred fifty three teams. I'll dig. I'll dig. All right, dig. you got five. You got a bet there. But if I give, if I find seven, I'll no, get. just one. Just I'll pay you on one. All right. There you go. Eight seniors like that. Hey, you never know. Hey, man, when you make outlandish comments or what perceived to be outlandish, the difference between this show and other shows, we're betting you. So you got to be careful. Eight seniors, sleepy. You never know. All right. Five to one. <laughs> Five to one odds, sleepy. Yeah. Rolling along here. You know what? Before we get into the Syracuse-North Carolina game on Tuesday, one other topic since we're going a little off topic. We got to talk Zion Williamson. Uh, who did not play this past weekend. We didn't really cover that game because of all the uncertainty and what the line would be. First take that I have looks like Zion, according to the market, right around five points. You know, I, I read some uh, sportsbook directors in town. They pretty much treated him like he was worth five points. I got to say, in front of the largest crowd to see an on-campus college basketball game in history, 35-plus thousand in the Carrier Dome, I thought Duke handled themselves well without Zion Williamson. I think if Duke's going to win a national championship, to be able to do that in that environment and, and overcome, look, Syracuse isn't a top 15 team, but, but, but they're, they're a very dangerous team. They are a top 40 team. And in that environment, I mean, with that, you bump up their power rating four points or so, then they are a team that, that's you know in that top 20 caliber. And, and I thought R.J. Barrett played well. Uh, it showed me taking a red shirt off of what Joey Baker, uh, I think his name is, uh, it shows you that Duke's going all in to win a national title. So I thought that was a really good performance by Duke. Not sure as we're taping this on Sunday, Duke plays on Tuesday at Virginia Tech. Uh, we are not aware as we're doing this. That's why we're not even going to go over that game since Zion is worth, in our opinion, five points or so to the line. If Duke beats Virginia Tech on the road without Zion Williamson, are able to to pull the double duty there and win two games against two decent uh, foes on the road without him. I think it'd be a very good look for that team and uh, maybe an important one for them moving forward, at least uh, taking a step there to prove that uh, they're not all about one player. What was your guys' thoughts on the Duke-Syracuse game? I'll start off with AJ. Yeah, I was impressed with him, and I actually... You know, I don't want to say I expected them to uh, to to handle their business, but I, I kind of did. I, I thought that, you know, they were missing their guy, but you know, Syracuse had a lot going on with Jim Beheim's situation, and you know, we were talking about this before the podcast off the air. How, you know, this this Duke team. I know everybody thinks it's just Zion, but people forget that coming into this season, R.J. Barrett was the bigger yep. recruit. R.J. Barrett was the bigger deal for, and he was supposed to be the man on this team. And you know they they've still that guy is. Can I play. think he leads the team in scoring for Pete's yeah, sake. That that guy can play, and and I know that you know that you it's a different look when Zion's out there, obviously, and their their offense is just completely changed. But I I don't I don't think Shashevsky's like a bad coach that he can't figure out how to play without one guy, and and it's not like this is. You know, it, I mean, it, it's it's not like this is twenty eight year old LeBron James. This is still a a. a, a college freshman who is is raw and he's good don't get me wrong but this is not something that the duke can't overcome you know i'm not saying they, they could win a national championship without zion but i think they can still beat middling teams and syracuse to me falls into that middling team category and, and honestly I, w- I would say so does virginia tech at this point so i would say yeah i, I feel i feel fine with uh it, i would almost hope that zion sits out another game 
so we can get a better number with Duke. And if we do, it, like the number you sent over was what, like a pick em or one point if, if Zion doesn't play? Yep. I'll gladly take Duke in yeah, that situation. Yeah, and I situation. might be a little short there because, you know, hindsight, you know, Virginia was, what, laying five or so at, at you know, Virginia Tech. And I guess that sounds about right. If you take Zion off of Duke, Duke was only perceived to be two points better than Virginia with Zion. Yeah, maybe that's close. I, it might be short. You want? I'll tell you what. I'll take a possession. I mean, if it's a possession, I'll take. Duke. Okay. Let, what? What's a fair? What? We'll have a bet here. Zion doesn't play. You want Duke? I want Duke if Zion doesn't play. Yeah. Okay. So you want? I will book this, and we'll we'll have a friendly dinner bet on this. Two. Okay. I, I'm gonna call it. I'll just give you one. You know, I gave out pick and one. I'll give you one. Uh, you take Duke minus one. I'll take Virginia Tech plus one. Okay, that's a deal. And that's without, guys, without Zion Williamson. If Zion plays, no bet between AJ and myself. Got it. But action, action, action. We, we, you know, we read the responses. People are crying for more action. We, we got two bets already. I found a team with seven seniors so far. So seven, I'm but not keep, eight. I'm going to keep looking. You keep on that, Sleepy. I'll tell you what, one, one of the teams that I, that I actually, and they ended up, costing me i bet on san diego against uh st mary's i was like you know what that's a team i think san diego's got five or six seniors and i was like oh they're those guys have never beat st mary's this is their last chance you know they're gonna go out there and give max up they laid an egg so (laughs) (laughs) i had that team as well this weekend not a good weekend it's probably my worst weekend in college hoops that i've had so far here at least since uh, i actually had a a pretty good weekend but it won't matter because villanova lost uh, teasing ahead, uh, hopefully Villanova doesn't lose again. Again, one of the guys here, I'm not saying who, but if you can figure it out, you've been listening intently. Somebody has a best bet on Villanova. Hint, hint, coming up here in a second. All right, guys, enough uh, I'm off the wall a little bit. I, a couple of important topics there. Uh, but moving along to Tuesday, action. Syracuse at North Carolina. We were just talking ACC with Duke, and we were just talking the Duke-Syracuse game, so why not talk this one? Not, no line out on this one, obviously, with us uh, doing this on Sunday evening, but we'll call the line projection North Carolina a 13-point home favorite. And, wow, you guys wanted action. We got some crossfire here. We got two guys that have a like on opposite sides. I'll let AJ start it off. Who do you like in this one? I like the Tar Heels because I think that they're they're. I mean, I'm not going to say they're underpriced because it's still expensive to play North Carolina, but I do think that they the value that that we're getting with them is maybe a little bit underrated because I think that that Duke that Duke win is more important and more valuable than people will give them credit for because they'll say oh there was no Zion so it's it's got an asterisk next to it but man they have they have been so sharp and and I just think that the way to beat a Syracuse team a Bayheim team is to shoot well from outside they're thirty eight percent from three. They're the best rebounding team in the country, and they're motivated. And that, that's one of the things we were just talking about. Teams who have clear motivation at this point, North Carolina's still got a chance to, w- to win a piece of the ACC championship outright. Syracuse doesn't have that anymore. They're, they're kind of collapsing right now. I like North Carolina. I think they can call the number. I don't feel as good about it as, you know, as most of the games that I like, but I, I probably will end up having a play on North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina minus 13 in this one. All right, I'm going to give you – I like Syracuse on that side, but I'm going to give A.J. Hoffman a couple extra points here. I, I'll agree with him on this. 
North Carolina has not had much issue with his own defense in Syracuse run. Six straight wins over Syracuse. North Carolina, unlike many teams that Syracuse face, and Syracuse usually has the height advantage, why they're the tallest team in the country on average. Average players, six, seven and a half. Uh, average in college basketball is a little and under six five. So you know, on your average team, North, Syracuse usually has you know about two and a half inches on them per man. North Carolina is not going to be that that average team. Uh, North Carolina is number eighteen in the country when it comes to average height. North Carolina U- has a major advantage on the offensive rebounding end. They're number twenty five in the country in offensive rebound percentage. Syracuse not good in defensive rebounding. A lot of it has to do with the zone. They're kind of out of position when it comes to defensive rebounding. Sometimes they're number two ninety nine. Despite all that, my number one factor here. I th- I just think North Carolina. Were the biggest disagreement. I think they're going to get expensive here. I think after a blowout win over Florida State, a lot of people like Florida State, just not sleepy. Uh, so a lot of people were on the Seminoles. And the fact that North Carolina trucked them a game after crushing Duke, I think this might be the game where North Carolina gets a little bit pricey. And, you know, give the Q's credit. They've been decent, about as good as it gets when it comes to away from home. Solid five and two straight up and against the number of their last seven away from home. I, I'll fade the, the expense here, and I think you will be paying for the first time in a while an expense on North Carolina. Give me a like on Syracuse plus 13. Any additional thoughts, Sleepy or AJ? Yeah, I got, I got one more thing, and, and I didn't get to mention it in my handicap, but Syracuse, the, the teams that have, are the most similar to North Carolina that they've played, and those two, uh, at least on paper, are Buffalo and North Carolina mm. State, two teams that play at a high tempo, shoot the three well, and then rebound well. And those are all things that, that North Carolina excels at. That Well, North Carolina State just beat Syracuse by 15, and Buffalo beat them by 12 early in the season, and that was at Syracuse. So I, I feel like we've seen, in, in North Carolina, obviously, a more talented version of, of those Buffalo and North Carolina State teams. So I think that they this is a chance. This is a really bad matchup stylistically, in my opinion, for, for Syracuse. I agree that the number, like when you when you sent me that 13, I did kind of gulp a little bit. And I, I think that Syracuse has been a double-digit dog once this season, and that was the, the win over. They, yeah. they won. They beat Duke. But I, I still think that this North Carolina team is just so hot right now. And I, I don't like what I've seen out of Syracuse lately. When AJ gulps, here's what Brad Powers does. Oh, you yeah. Got a, <laughs> you got a bet, brother. Nice dinner bet. I have Syracuse All right. plus 13, the big dog. You're laying it and playing it with North Carolina. That's AJ Hoffman. He has North Carolina. I'm Brad Powers. I have Syracuse. Sleepy J passing. Mm-hmm. All right. Again, this is a college basketball dream preview edition number seven here. You can follow AJ Hoffman on Twitter at AJ is the real sleepy J underscore pregame. And I'm merely Brad Powers, the number seven moving along another Tuesday game with a red hot team, Arkansas at number four, Kentucky. I'm going to project the line right around 17 and I'll start off this one. I just have a lean on Arkansas plus 17. You mentioned, well, I mentioned the expense that you'll be paying on North Carolina. I think after another truck job that Kentucky put on Auburn over the weekend, kudos to Dave Esler, best bet winner on Kentucky, easy winner there. So Dave, you know, came through for us this past weekend. We didn't go over on the, on this podcast. Kentucky, 
Kentucky's dominated the series, six straight wins and covers. No Reed Travis against Auburn. Didn't matter one bit for Kentucky in that blowout win. Kentucky's rolling, guys. I, I mean, they're, a, what, a, a tipping at the buzzer against LSU away from winning 14 in a row. Here's why I can't lay 17 points, though. I think it's a flat spot. Auburn what was a, a team that that's at least up there in the standings when it comes to the SEC. And who's on deck for the Wildcats? Tennessee. And I get it. Kentucky just got done crushing Tennessee. Uh, but I, that's still an ultra-important game. And when you got questionable motivation on a big favorite, give me the dog. Although, here's why I don't like this dog. I mean, Arkansas, AJ mentioned it, and he's going to probably mention it again in this handicap, and it's a strong point. Arkansas kind of has that look on a team that's just playing out the season. I mean, five straight losses for the Hogs. They're only 5-15 and 15 against the number their last 20 games. So while I think, you know, the ultimate factor for me, the deciding factor why I'm leaning with Arkansas is the situational spot, Kentucky looking ahead as a big favorite. Uh, that's why I lean Arkansas. I cannot like Arkansas because this team just doesn't have a lot of redeeming factors. AJ, you're on the other side. You lean Kentucky here. Yeah, I, I lean Kentucky, and I think that's kind of a trend of this podcast as I'm liking some of these bigger favorites. Uh, but it, which you know, typically I, I understand that's not necessarily the wisest thing to do. But I just think Arkansas has mailed it in. Kentucky's covered ten of their last twelve against the spread. They've won and covered five of six at home. Those five wins over 20 points per game on average. And, and that includes wins over Mississippi State, Kansas, and Tennessee. These are good teams. Kentucky's a team I'm looking to buy stock on. I talked about it uh, on the last podcast. And when we had talked on my show here in Houston about if you could have a ticket with three teams versus Duke, which which teams would you take? And and Kentucky's on my list. It's it's again Kentucky. I'll take those three and feel pretty good about it, even with a healthy Zion. Uh, it, Kentucky's just they're on a roll and like I said Arkansas they've they're rolled over they're 0 and 6 against the spread their last six two and five ATS on the road in SEC play of the four games that Arkansas has covered in the SEC three of them were against the bottom four in the conference mm. A&M Missouri and Georgia and they couldn't even cover against Vanderbilt I mean that's just, that's a shame it's just a lean for me because like you mentioned Tennessee on deck for Kentucky but if, if they play with any kind of motivation, they, they can choose the number against this Arkansas team, which, I mean, Arkansas, we, we know they're not a good road team. Now they're losing to Texas A&M at home. I mean, mm. they, it, when that, ha- that, that result, losing at home to a bad Texas A&M, A&M team, let me know that Arkansas, they've just quit. Yeah, and I think AJ's got the stronger handicap. Now, during your – I got a little distracted during your handicap, well, AJ, get it down even though it was a, a good one. <laughs> I got Sleepy Jay over here waving his hands like he's, you know, down at McCarran Airport, you know, air traffic controller here. Do <laughs> you got a handicap on this game or what? No handicap on this game, but I did find a team with eight seniors, Brad. Who? <laughs> I guess I'll say it's my alma mater, the Army West Point Black Knights have. Oh, my oh, God. Army. I had to go to Army. You're lucky I didn't go to Navy, too. They probably got 10. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. All right. Hold on. We're doing this. We don't edit, guys. We don't edit. Sound of money going over to Sleepy. Thanks, Brad. Damn, he got you. Oh, wait. Could I I want to click the... All we right. got to do it here. Paid in full. There you go. All right. Thank you. There you go, Sleepy. My man. All right. 
Any closing thoughts? I, I mean, I think he had the stronger of the two handicaps, and I agree with you. If it wasn't for, I would be on the Kentucky. If this was just a normal game, if they were playing anybody but pretty much Tennessee uh, on the upcoming weekend, I'd probably lean Kentucky. I just, uh, I man, that's such a big game. They're already down Reed Travis. Uh, I think they're subbing in. Um, if it push comes to shove in the second half, I, I just I think if you want to lay Kentucky, maybe first half a little bit, maybe get in, in game. Hmm, well, yeah, well, I mean, maybe, but I mean, do you really think Arkansas is going to yeah, do anything in the true. second half except roll over and die again? I, hmm. I just don't see it. All right, you swung me over. You, you guys swung me, over. <laughs> or maybe I'm getting gun shy because I'm handing hundred dollar bills away to, to Sleepy Jay here in the studio. I, I've gone from lean Arkansas to pass. You're you not going to get me on the Kentucky side, but I'm a, I'm going to pass now. The only reason I would agree with laying the points with some of these guys is like a guy like Calipari. He wants his team to play a full game. Mm. He doesn't say, "Oh, let's take off and we'll just you know run the clock out." He knows when it comes tournament time where his team's going to be. They're going to be in tough games where they have to play the full amount of that game. And I think that that's one of the reasons why you know laying the points with certain teams and certain coaches isn't exactly a bad idea. They laid it. They didn't take the foot off the gas pedal against Auburn. Not at that's all. For, that's for sure. Uh, any closing thoughts, AJ? That's all I got. All right. Well, tell you what. Maybe I can redeem myself with the listeners here. With this next game coming up on Wednesday. I hope so. What just so happens to be sleepy, my best bet. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. All right, big game in the Big East. We have number 11, Marquette, at number 17, Villanova. I'm going to call the line projection Villanova, believe it or not, a three-point home favorite. And to me, it's all about the unique spot we're dealing with here. A Villanova team, arguably one of the top three, four programs of the last five years, and I get it, this year's team's down a little bit, but the Wildcats coming off not one, not two, but three consecutive losses Although I will say all three of those came on the highway, on the road. And look, I'm not seeing a Villanova team that's tired. I'm not seeing a team that's given up on their head coach, Jay Wright. This was a Villanova team that just had a cold streak in the second half against Xavier. I mean, Villanova led that game with 12 minutes left on the road. And then all of a sudden, Xavier went on a 17-0 run, and it was good night at that point. So just a bad stretch for Villanova in the second half, and I think the narrative would be completely different if that didn't happen on the Wildcats, and for that, I'll take advantage. And if you're going to tell me that Villanova's going to lay a really short number at home, here's some home stats for you here. Last five years for Villanova at home, 83-7 and seven straight up. I know this is a Vegas show. It's all about the against the spread. If you bet Villanova against the spread at home the last five years, blindly, every single time Villanova's at home, you'd hit 63%. Against the spread, 63%. Remember a couple weeks ago, and I liked Marquette a lot in that game. I thought they'd take it to Villanova, and they did early, but Villanova didn't quit, and this was just a couple weeks ago. Villanova only lost the game by one. In that one, Villanova was only getting two points on the road. So that pretty much at that point, just two weeks ago, Villanova was considered to be a better team than Marquette on a neutral floor. I think in this spot, especially off three straight losses, this is the home run game for Villanova this season. Maximum effort out of them. 
Marquette will be pumped up, and Marquette's been red hot, but that's why Villanova's only laying a short number here. Best bet for me on this podcast, Villanova minus three over Marquette on Wednesday. Thoughts, A.J. Hoffman? You're going to get agreement from me, and you know I'm a little gun-shy to do it because Nova just lost me a best bet with, with bad shooting, so I'm not exactly thrilled to jump back on board. But they, they've lost three straight games, like you mentioned, in Big East play for the first time since 2013. That's back when Syracuse and Pitt were in the conference because uh, that was two of the three teams that beat them in a row. Uh, the collapse for Villanova the last few games started at halftime of the St. John's game. That was the first game. The last two and a half games, so since halftime of that St. John's game, Nova's shooting 34% from the field, 24.7% from three. Three of Nova's five lowest scoring games have come in their last five, including the loss at Marquette. Their offense is just not clicking right now. Uh, Marquette, though, they haven't won at Nova since 2012, and they haven't played the Cats within double digits at the Pavilion since 2013. This has just been a a one-sided affair at Villanova. And like I said, I'm a little gun-shy to get back on Villanova so quickly, but unless they've just quit on Jay Wright, which I cannot imagine that they have, it's the only side I can be on. So if that number's at three or less, I'm going to have to like Villanova here as much as it makes me gulp, Brad. Yeah, I'd be anxious to see what this line and my buy price, I mean, we'll call it up to, to four and a half. I won't go to five. I don't think we're going to see five. I actually think three might be a, a little uh, as I'm doing a line projection. When you look at Ken Palm, it, it, I mean, it's going to be, and you know that Ken Palm's becoming more of a factor now. I, I mean, you you may be giving yourself some cushion there with three. Yeah, I agree. And I thought it was a little inflated as it was given at three. But I feel comfortable with this one up to four and a half. Again, Villanova being my best bet. I do want to talk Marquette. Uh, and look, there's always two sides to one handicap, even on a best bet. I mean, you got to be impressed with Marquette, what they've done. I mean, when you take out the two losses against St. John's, and which just so happens to be a bad matchup for Marquette, or at least in, this year it's been. I mean, Marquette's 20 and 0 straight up, 16 and 4 against the, the spread. So, I mean, it's not going to be easy. And you, you, look, winning isn't easy, especially this time of year. But, I mean, Marquette's been nothing but impressive. And I thought the game. Uh, that Marquette might trip up uh, was this past weekend a little bit, and, and they just took it from start to finish to, you know, Providence isn't great, but, man, I, I thought that was kind of a flat spot for Marquette, and they took it to the Friars there. Uh, this is going to be a tough one for Villanova. I, I just, I would be, I would have some regrets on Thursday morning if I looked at a score and saw Villanova won and covered coming off three straight losses. You don't get a team and a head coach and a program like Jay Wright off three losses too often. I just got to play it. The situation calls for it for me to have a best bet. Any thoughts on this one, Sleepy? Uh, what do you guys think about Michigan losing today? Do you think that that opens up maybe a two seed for Marquette? No. No. No? All right. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think the Big East has enough clout to get them ahead of, of some of these other teams. And, I mean, I, I think Michigan losing opens the door for, you know, a, a team like Texas Tech or – Purdue, if they can get back on track, or I mean, maybe even Houston. Yeah, Houston uh, wins or, out. I would say Houston might get or, into the two I, line. I mean, look what LSU's done in the last couple of weeks. They they beat Kentucky and Tennessee both, so uh, they're starting to get into that conversation. But I, I think it would be very difficult for Marquette to to jump up to that two line. And the reason I ask that is because if Marquette doesn't feel 
that they can go ahead and get it too. Maybe they don't come into this game as motivated. Oh, they're going to be motivated. Oh, I, I know they, they will be, but I'm always looking for extra motivation or you know extra motivation that, that the other team's not going to have. So it's just something. They'll that, be motivated. Biggie's title's at stake here. I mean, yeah, a chance Marquette. to take it away from Villanova. Well, ever since I opened my mouth about Villanova and put them in the top 16 and Marquette take them out, it's, it's been pretty bad. I'm going to stay away from this game. I wish you guys luck. I hope I hope Nova comes through. Oh, they better. I'll tell you what, Twitter, you, Twitterverse will be letting me know. Well, they got me. You can't, you can't have a couple straight losers. You just can't. L- let's talk Villanova moving forward because obviously, I mean, this game is ultra important. If they lose this one, if I go down and God forbid I lose the best bet here, uh, moving forward, then, then I would have some concerns with Villanova moving forward because you know, you got a couple of experienced guys in Pascal and Booth this year. Kind of were in new roles. Took them a while to really adjust. What's the the ceiling on this Villanova team? A program that's won two of the last three titles. Losing this one, that would be four straight losses. Not like it gets easier. I mean, Butler's you know a game you can't sleepwalk through uh, next, and then Seton Hall on the roads, not one either. So, I mean, if they don't rally the troops here, I mean, this could be. This could turn into something ugly here for the Wildcats. If they're on their game plan, you know, hitting their threes, it, I still think it's a sweet 16 caliber team. What, what's your thoughts on this, AJ? I don't know about that anymore. And and is the team that, you know, early in the season, I was willing to write off the Furman loss and, and the, uh, the Penn loss. I mean, Penn beat Villanova, and they might not even make the Ivy League tournament. Penn won the Big Five in Philly, and they might not even make the Ivy League tournament. That's how crazy that, that world is. But I, I now with Villanova adding these more bad losses, the loss against Georgetown, and, and the Xavier team who was basically you know in a battle for dead-ass last in the conference uh, beats them. So, I mean, these are these are ugly losses to me. And, and at some point, it's there's so many of them. That it's like, man. I mean, they're losing to. There's, they've lost to as many non-tournament teams as they have tournament teams, and that's concerning. If you're looking to, to say, oh, well, these guys will win two games in the tournament because the, the the whoever they see in the first round, and probably whoever, I mean, whoever they see in the second round for sure, but probably in the first round, they're going to be better teams than Xavier and Georgetown, and they're probably going to be better a better team than St. John's. Uh, so the Villanova, what the, whatever's going on with them right now offensively has got to change. I mean, four out of five, this team was just on a roll and then dropping four out of five. If they make it five out of six, there's serious concern at that point, and that's a team I'm just going to look to stay away from. Yeah, and, you know, here's where I'm a little bit more confident. I mean, the fact that they've been struggling as far as shooting goes, I mean, that's that's actually been their strength for most of the season. So, I mean, for the most part, look, it's not entirely – uh, I would say it's a tangible factor, kind of almost similar to turnovers in, in football, not, not as much, but sometimes you can go through shooting slumps in a college basketball season when you're playing 30 regular season games. And, and you know, even after the they've been slumping here as of late, I, I mean, Villanova is still number 14th as far as the offensive efficiency. Uh, if, it, if they hadn't been going through this, you know, slump, they'd be easily top 10 in the country in offensive efficiency. So, again, instead of looking at the current three-game sample size, it's, which is a really bad one, you got to take into consideration, I'd like to look at the larger sample size on the season and still Villanova number 14th offense in the country. I'll chalk it up with all three of those losses coming on the road. 
this is a good time for some home cooking here uh, to get that situated and corrected. Again, that's that's what at least gives me more confidence. If it was already a weakness and they'd been struggling, uh, and defensively they're not, you know, they're not going to lie on the defensive end of the floor. I would be a little bit more concerned. The fact that they've been coming up short on the offensive end, I think, gives us some value here. Any thoughts on that, AJ? Yeah, well, what I will say is a team with, with some upperclassmen, like like this Villanova team, come eight, or come Big East tournament time, yeah, I mean, they've, they've got as good a chance as it. They've got a, a, a upperclassman heavy team with the best coach. They've got a good chance of winning that tournament no matter what, no matter how they look going into it. So if they if they get it right offensively, on a neutral court, I, I think they can hang with anybody in that conference. But right now, it's it's just looking ugly. I, I think they really need this win for their for their own confidence. I, I mean, I I don't know if this team believes that they have a chance to repeat what they did last season, but it, it, they they I would think they at least have aspirations that they're they're at least a Sweet Sixteen team. And if they're going to do that, they they've got to be a lot better than they've looked in the last five games. And see, that's where I find value. When A.J. Hoffman, a professional, says, hey, this t- it's, lo- it's looking ugly, that's where I say, gimme, gimme, gimme. And when no one wants to bet on this team, Alex struggling. how can you bet on Villanova? I-, I mean, how can you do that? And I'm sure if it loses, that, that, that's the comments I'll get. Usually that means, you know, they're cheap. When no one wants to bet a side, that makes them cheap. If you and can I- find 100 teams like that and bet 100 of them, guess what? You're coming out ahead. Yeah, yeah I-, I agree. So we'll see. I think it's a good spot. Again, best bet recapping. For Brad Powers, Villanova, minus three on Wednesday. A couple more games to go here, guys. We'll get A.J. out of here. He's got some family commitments. Understandable for a guy like him. Thursday, Nebraska, and this is going to be another sore spot. Man, son of a bitch. Nebraska at number seven, Michigan. The Wolverines coming up short as we're taping this on a Sunday evening. We're going to call this line with Michigan favored by 12 points against a struggling Nebraska team. I'll let A.J. lead this one off. I was not impressed by any stretch of the imagination with what Michigan just rolled out there today on Sunday. What say you as far as looking forward to this Nebraska game? Who do you lean or like? Yeah, Michigan's a weird team because it, it, they they looked like they were in control of that game for about the, the first 30 minutes and then things just collapsed and they can't score. They go through these, these spurts where they just cannot score and it drives you crazy because if you're, if you're going to be an elite team, you got to have more offense than what they've got. But you know, I I've been fading Nebraska so much lately. I don't know that I can start riding them at this point the, on the road in the big 10, Nebraska's two and six against the spread one and seven straight up. They're four and eleven straight up against the spread since the calendar flipped, but they've covered two of the last three. I'd won four straight bets fading Nebraska before Purdue caught them uh, this this last weekend, and Purdue broke that streak of me winning bets against Nebraska. Michigan, though, three and eight against the spread as a double digit favorite this season. That's not promising. That's when most of their against the spread losses happened was early in the season when they were catching those big numbers. Uh, and that home winning streak comes to an end, drops them to seven and two against the spread at home in Big Ten play this season. Their average home win in conference play has been by 13 points per game. Here's where I, I kind of like Michigan. Xavier Simpson, maybe the best on-ball defender in the country, he's going to take away James Palmer, who at this point is is Nebraska's offense, is James Palmer. The only other scoring threat they've got is, is Glenn Watson. And then you look at what he's done on the road. The last three games, he scored 16 points total. That's their, that's their number two scorer at this point 
is Glenn Watson. I, I expect desperation out of Michigan, who now has to win every game to have a chance at a piece of that Big Ten title. The number's too much for me to fade, though, even against a Nebraska team that I've I've just feasted on. I'm, it's going to be a lean to Michigan for me. Yeah, I'm on the other side, and this is senior night for Michigan already here. Uh, Wolverines, fine. Their, their last couple of games are going to be on the road uh, for the Wolverines. Uh, I lean Nebraska plus the 12, but as I look at it further, might go in with the Huskers uh, and plus some, maybe a half unit as far as the, the overall game, a half unit on the first half. But to me, it just comes down to this. I don't want to lay double digits. A.J. mentioned it. They're, they're 3-8 and eight, uh, against the spread, laying double digits. Why? It's Michigan's offense. How can you lay double digits when yep. in your last 11 games, Michigan offensively is only averaging 65 points per game on offense? I, when, when you struggle to score, I mean, how can you lay it? I get it that, you know, Michigan's owned the series. I get it. Nebraska's been terrible last 11 games, 2-9 and nine straight up and against the spread. But, again, this time of year, if no one wants to bet a Nebraska team, I, I think they're going to be cheap. I, I think a lot of people are going to be thinking, hey, bounce back, Michigan, bounce back effort. I haven't seen – I've been waiting for a bounce back a- effort out of their offense for the last 10 games. Uh, and, uh, I mean, to me, and maybe this is a little square, but I, I just after watching that game today – with everything on the line against your arch rival, at least as far as basketball is concerned, I think Michigan State's more of a rival than Ohio State. Football, it's entirely different. But you know, when you're up six in the second half, you're at home against an injury-riddled Michigan State team, and you go in a period of 10 minutes and you score four points, I want nothing to do Can't with the team it. laying double digits here. I just, I mean, that, that, I'll just be quite frank. I mean, that really ticked me off today. I mean, I haven't been ticked off at a result uh, in, in bat. I mean, of course, I get ticked off when, when, you know, best bets and stuff win. But as far as, you know, a game like that, I mean, it just, I, I questioned as far as what's the long term. I, I could see if Michigan struggling to score, you know, and a team's hitting from the outside, and even Michigan State's not known overwhelmingly offensively, especially with two of their top three scorers out. I mean, Michigan State at 56% from the field in the first half against this defense, 50% for the game. That could be an outlier, but I just didn't see. I saw a lot of defensive effort early in the game, but then in the second half, I I saw Michigan overrunning plays. I mean, Michigan State got a lot of easy buckets in that second half. I mean, that was as disappointing as an effort in the final 15 minutes of a game for a team in the top 10, I think, all year. And because of that, and again, call me square for not wanting to go right back to the team that I thought there was value on. But I'll take Nebraska here as a lean plus the 12. Uh, Sleepy, do you have any thoughts here? I, when my bracket gets made, I won't advance Michigan past the Sweet 16. I just don't think they have the offense. Well, it's all about matchups when it comes to bracket. I mean, we can say a lot of things now, but uh, to me, I, I got to I gotta look at the bracket, the matchups. But yeah, I agree with you. After watching that today, I mean, I came in today thinking Michigan is, you know, they're ceiling. This, is a, this could be a Final Four team like last year going to the National Championship game. I, I still thought Michigan was that team. And then today happened, and now I start looking at this Michigan team, and I mean, now they're seven and four their last eleven games, mm-hmm. and in those eleven games, their offense is really struggling. I mean, they got some late, a lot of late points today. They they finally hit a couple threes in the last minute when it was too late. But I mean, to me, they just look above average right now. This is a good team, not a great team. I agree. I think they're overrated. What What's your thoughts on this Michigan team moving forward, AJ? 
I, I, I think it's funny that you, you talked about them shooting or scoring just 65 points per game in the last couple of games, and that's exactly what Villanova's done, which is which it's ironic that we just got off of them. But, yeah, when you when you can't score, it's hard to have faith in teams. And, and, and now the, I have a little more faith in Villanova to get it right because we've seen them score over the course of the season, and we haven't exactly. really seen that out of this Michigan team. And, and even, you know, the guys that, that have, you know – at points in this season stepped up and, and scored for Michigan don't seem to be doing it lately. And they need to get Brisdikas has got to be, he's got to be more consistent for them. Jordan Poole's got to be more consistent for them. Uh, even Teske has to be more consistent getting scoring down low. So I, I and I would think that Teske especially would be a guy that they'd want to go to with when not many guys on that team can shoot and it, everything just seems to be a struggle exactly. to get points in and you, and and you've got a big, just dump it down there to him and, and see what happens. And we talked about Michigan's depth uh, in, in the front court going in, or Michigan State's depth in the front court going into that game. And Michigan really did nothing to try to expose it. And I, I thought it was just, and I, I don't normally say anything bad about John Beeline, but that, I thought he just, he didn't coach a very good game today. No, I would he not have had that team chucking up I mean, 26 threes. 26 oh, threes is absurd. Up them threes. Even though, I mean, they didn't hit one. They were all for their life in the second half, and I'm putting my fan hat on here. Uh, I mean, keep chucking them threes uh, when you have no success whatsoever, all, you know, all, pretty much all game long. But let, let's keep chucking from behind the arc when there's plenty of time left in the game. Uh, just, you know, another concern, Charles Matthews rolled his ankle in, in the game. Uh, he, he's... Well, you know, one of their key seniors that that didn't help matters, but still no excuses when you're up six midway through the second half and, and you can't put the ball in the hoop against an injury riddled team. I just th- th- that game kind of threw me a little bit today, to be perfectly frank with you guys here. Uh, any closing thoughts on this one? We'll move ahead to our, our last game. Let's do Let's it here. To We're going to move out to the conference and look, we try to sneak in. We don't talk Pac-12 much. And for good reason, we don't talk Pac-12 much. But on Thursday night, good rivalry game here. USC at UCLA. I'll call a projected line. The Bruins favored by two and a half. AJ, lead us off here. Who do you lean or like here? Uh, I'm going to go with UCLA here. They'd lost five or six against the number before coming back and beating Oregon in the second half the other night. I guess it was last night. And and that's, you know, we talk about, we've been talking during this podcast about teams who have or have not quit. And, if you watch that Oregon UCLA game, and I watched it because I was on Oregon, you you realize that that UCLA team could have easily just rolled over and said, "Well, you got me." I mean, they were they were down 16 at half, nothing was working for them, mm-hmm. and they outscore Oregon 62 to 39 in the second half. They just come roaring back, and they shot the ball really, really well. So that's what I like to see. I, I mean, because when you when you look at UCLA, UCLA is not a tournament team. I mean, they, they're uh, borderline middle of the pack in a really down Pac-12 as it is. Uh, it, this it just seems like they they've still got some fight in them. USC, this number wowed me. Zero and eight against the spread as an underdog this season. Wow. Uh, and they they are one and four when Rakasevic fouls out. And he fouled out in ten minutes against Oregon State in their last game. That's pathetic. He's been, no excuse. Ten minutes, your big man fouls out. I mean, it's just pathetic. And and USC's got the better three point shooting team, but the last couple games, UCLA, their last three games, forty seven percent from three. And USC two and six against the spread and straight up away from home this season. They don't travel well. 
And in a close game, USC's 282nd in free throw rate. So if, if you're looking for uh, who do you like in a one-possession game, uh, oftentimes it's... Yeah, they're, 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 US, they're both teams are terrible from behind the free throw line. Uh, but UCLA looking for revenge from that 13-point loss at, at SC. Uh, UCLA's won three of their last four. Oregon State and Oregon wins. That's the first time this season that the Bruins got back-to-back wins over top 100 opponents. So UCLA playing, in my opinion, their their best basketball of the season. USC was hot for a little while, and I actually cashed on them uh, against Oregon last week. But, I mean, when, when Benny Boatwright's not out there, chuck, he, when he's not hitting seven or eight threes in a game, USC just doesn't have that kind of an offense, especially when their big man gets fouled out in 10 minutes of play. And, and he is good for at least one flagrant a game. I mean, every game, that hook and hold, he is the master of it. So they, they, they just... USC is just not a team that I can trust right now. Yeah, I mean, both teams have been. It's a, by the way, it's a it's a lean for UCLA yeah. for me. I don't like this UCLA. I don't want to. I don't want to bet on either one of these teams. But if I had to take a side, it'd be UCLA. Yeah, I lean UCLA as well. Uh, both teams massively inconsistent this year. Uh, USC's had guys out of the lineup then in the lineup, but a huge disappointment with Benny Boatwright and those guys coming back this year for the Trojans. UCLA, obviously, it's been a dumpster fire season for the most part. you got to fire Steve Alford, what, 10 games into the season, and yep. it hasn't really been much better until this past weekend. And they got a couple of solid wins. I, I like the Ducks. I thought it was a revenge game. I mean, keep in mind. I did too. Oregon was up in the first meeting, what, nine points with a minute left and mm-hmm. somehow lost the game. And then they're up 19 in the first half and do it again. Uh, kudos for UCLA for not mailing it in. If the team was going to mail it in down 19 at home, I mean, that would have been the time to do it. They didn't. So kudos there. I just, you're right. I think they just have a little bit more redeeming quality. It's a revenge spot for them after losing at USC earlier this year. SC's not been great away from home. You mentioned that. I mean, two of their three road wins this year are to Pac-12 bottom feeders. We're talking Washington State and Cal, two of the worst, two of the worst power five teams in the entire country. So not, not a like a lot to like on SC on the road, but again, only a lean for me, just like with AJ on UCLA minus a two and a half, both teams terrible from the free throw line. When the line's close, I like to see if there's advantage there. We don't have it. Leans on UCLA. You going to make a consensus sleepy? No, no, I, but I, I will throw this out there. I'm really happy with uh, UCLA's guard, Jalen hands back when they were playing nice. uh, yeah. Oregon state. Him and his coach called timeout. They went to the side. They said, listen, kid, you missed this free throw. The game's over. Guess what sleep he's getting? Plus one and a half. He misses the free throw. My man, my brain. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Oregon State, yeah, you were big on the Beavers. You got fortunate, though. Oh, I got lucky. You got very lucky there. That was <laughs> well, a misleading it- game on UCLA, who, uh, who probably should have covered that game. Yeah, oh, they, yeah, they should have easily covered that. Yeah, that was uh, – so I, I guess – I shouldn't have played into UCLA after a fortunate, uh, you know, as far as not so fortunate, fortunate for you, Sleepy, mm-hmm. not fortunate for UCLA backers. It's funny how the the tides turn one game later, a game at halftime where I think Oregon had like a 98% chance of winning. Somehow UCLA rallies and wins the game outright. Any closing thoughts on this one? I threw it in there for our West Coast listeners, some Pac-12 action. The reality is outside of Washington, and the Huskies are looking like they're separating from the rest of the conference at this point. Uh, there's just not a lot of redeeming factors about the Pac-12 right now. I think a two-bid league at, at most, as long as Arizona State, you know, that doesn't you know suffer a collapse here. Any disagreement with that? Two teams at most. 
I think two teams tops, and and honestly, I, I think Arizona State's really, really borderline, and they played like trash tonight. They failed to cover against Cal, who is the, the worst. I mean, Cal is – you could put them in any mid-major conference, and they wouldn't be doing a whole lot better. I mean, that is a really, really bad team. And Arizona State, I think they ended up beating them by 10. I think they were 19.5-point favorites or something like that. So Committee, committee uh, just cares about wins and losses. They're not yeah. Vegas, so – no, they're not Vegas, but it, I'm just talking about in my yeah. beliefs in, in Arizona State. And his, I mean, Arizona State got a couple wins of late against teams Nobody's. like Stanford, and, yep. and you know, uh, but they've got they've got uh, their last three games. Arizona State are all on the road at Oregon, at Oregon State, at Arizona, and none of those teams are really teams that are going to give them a big boost. But they're, none of those teams are teams you can afford to lose to at this point either. If you want to be a tournament team. No question about it. Pac-12 struggling for for the, the the conference of champions. If you look at, they have more champions than any other league in America in all sports. To have your two money uh, uh, breadwinners of your conference, the football and basketball, to see to be so poor and so far behind the other power conferences. Wow, ugly out here on the West Coast, but no doubt it, it's all about making money. At least the Huskies have been making money through following along with Washington. They've been doing all right. Any closing thoughts here? Well, I still don't think Washington. When you put them in the tournament, I, I think partly because they've played such a soft schedule. Ooh. I, I think when you get them out there in the tournament, that's not a team I'm going to be looking to play either. We might have a bet in the making there. I like Washington, and, and I get I see your point as far as they haven't been playing that tough a schedule. But I'll raise you this. Washington with that 2-3 zone. Hopkins, their head coach, he's in his second year. He's coming over from Syracuse. And we've seen Syracuse once it comes. I mean, Syracuse team that, that's very, I would say, mediocre when it comes to conference play. But once, for some reason, when they hit tournament play, uh, depending on matchups, a lot of those teams haven't seen the zone. And they're just confused by it. And, uh, you know, Syracuse takes advantage of their length. I think we could see similar results with this Washington team who you know was a profitable team last year under Hopkins and has been very profitable here. I think in the matchups are right. I, I could see Washington going to the second weekend. You know, we I'll have to what's think. Washington's best what's Washington's best win so far this season? Washington? They almost beat Gonzaga. Yeah, they, that's they, not bad. They, I mean they they still lost. <laughs> they 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 almost beat Minnesota. They got blown out by Auburn. Uh, they lost to Virginia Tech. Every decent team they played, they lost to. Mm. And I, I don't. I mean, maybe San Diego, the the Toreros. Maybe that's their uh, that's their <laughs> hang your hat non conference win. I don't know, man. And, and then the, I mean, I guess in in conference they, they've got they split with uh, Arizona State, right? Or is, was that the only matchup? They they lost their only matchup against Arizona State. So now you're telling me their best win is what Utah. That's a good point. All right. Oregon I'm State. I'm going to get creative here on the fly. So right now they're projected a seven seed, uh, playing a 10 seed. So, you know, what, what's a fair line? You know, Washington, a three-point favorite, four-point favorite in, in one of the, that 7-10 matchup. Put Washington up against VCU, I dare you. All right. So here's what we're going to do. If Washington plays plus, VCU. I'm going to take Washington to win one game in the NCAA tournament, but I'm going to give you plus money. I'll give you plus 150. How's that? <sighs> no. I got to make sure I, I don't I got to make sure I got to make sure I don't draw like Ohio State or Florida because that would one? just kill me. 
Two to one. It might be an 11 seed, AJ. Actually, that might be I know. Okay. That's scary See, thing. You know, that's big talk coming from AJ Hoffman. I, yeah, I can't talk too I'll, much. This guy can whip my I'll ass. Back down to, I'll back down until <laughs> I see a matchup. All right. Fair enough. I do like the Huskies uh, because of the zone. I would we'll, agree with you. Yeah. But no, I'm to be perfectly frank, I didn't know the schedule was that bad. I mean, I'm going through it on Kempom. I, I, I'll concede a little bit here to AJ. I mean, it is bad. They have not. In fact, that the top team that they played in Pac-12 play, as far as a power rating, they, I mean, they got murdered by Arizona State on the road. So uh, I am less confident about my Washington future than what, than what I was uh, you know, j- just five minutes ago because A.J. does bring up a good point. Although, when it came to betting time, when it came down to this, well, you're trying to get me to bet against a, a, a maybe team. I, well, I was giving you two well, to one, a seven to ten match. Yeah, but two to you one? might be giving me Florida or Ohio State. I'd rather just jump not, out of my car than, than, uh, than bet on those teams. Plus 250. It's a deal. Plus, two <laughs> plus 250. Good stuff. Nice. A lot of action on today's show. A lot I don't of know action. It was one of our best podcasts, but I'll tell you what. A lot of action, the most action we've had here on the show. And also, it's all about winning. And again, recapping it for everyone that's listening out there. Best bet from A.J. Hoffman's a Tuesday game. VCU minus 12 over St. Louis. Again, that's Virginia Commonwealth, VCU minus 12. A.J. Hoffman's best bet. You can follow A.J. on Twitter, at A.J. is the real. That's a Tuesday night. On Monday night, Sleepy J came over the top on Kansas minus three and a half. That is Sleepy's best bet, Kansas minus three and a half over Kansas State. And Brad Powers on Wednesday night, Villanova at home minus three over Marquette. Best bet, Brad Powers, Villanova minus three. Follow Sleepy on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at AJ is the real. And me, Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7 on Twitter. You can find our premium picks on pregame.com. That was the College Basketball Dream Preview. Unless the guys have anything else to say, we're going to wrap it up here on a Sunday night. We'll be back with you guys on Friday morning. Have a great week. Take care.